Hello everyone and welcome to episode 146 of the Great Escape Minute, the daily podcast where we dig into the Great Escape one minute at a time. I'm Rob and joining me today is Will Slater of Exploding Helicopter. Welcome to the show, Will. Hello and uh, yeah, thank you for inviting me on to talk about the Great Escape. Yeah, sorry there are no helicopters in it, but maybe we'll try and find something during the course of the week that might that might satisfy you a little bit. We'll see. I'll, I'll keep my no. fingers crossed. Yeah. Actually, I don't think they, they did. They have helicopters back in World War Two. Uh, they did have uh, some helicopters in in World War Two, but they weren't um, terribly uh, common. They weren't uh, weren't used. Uh, uh, you know, if you if you do, if you like movies in a similar vein to The Great Escape, uh, you can see uh, in Where Eagles Dare. There's uh, there's some some uh, World War Two helicopter usage in in that film. If you want to uh, to see sort of uh, you know helicopters of that vintage in action. Uh, Minute 146 starts off with Blythe and Henley ducking under the wing and goes all the way till the duo attach together the prop crank. Basically, as we discussed last week, we're, we're dealing with all the various uh, prisoners, how they're trying to their way to freedom. We, we found Blythe and Henley showing up at a seemingly deserted airfield or, or sparsely uh, populated airfield they snuck sneak in it hardly looks like a war zone no completely not there's 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 no one there it's all it all looks shut up and closed down exactly no one seems to have been alerted that there's a 76 prisoner prisoners of war that have somehow escaped (laughs) relatively close nearby you know, how close to this is the base that I would like to be um, sort of uh, dispatched to and be working at because, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not a lot seems to be <laughs> the war seems touched by the war. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about it a little bit in this minute. I don't know if this is the best place to, to have wanted to be either, but uh, it's still it's still relatively calm. You know, you don't want to be this lone guard that we're going to meet in just a, a few seconds <laughs> still. So they, they, they show up at this airfield. Which always uh, oh, hear a whole bunch of planes. You know, on Friday, Henley said that he thinks there's there's a training plane that he's that he actually can fly. Which, you know, we discussed this on Friday, but but still, it's a little strange. He's supposed to be a fighter pilot. He can't just get into any plane and you know, that's around here and figure out how to work them. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure. I mean, based on your experience with exploding helicopters, are you familiar? more with the, the the technical aspects of of flying a helicopter or is it just a, a dream it's, it's just a dream i'm a very nervous flyer especially after watching uh, hundreds of movies where uh, helicopters explode um i mean i guess i i understand the point that you're making but i i, I wonder if it was a simpler age of aviation where you know you start the engine and you've got the, you know, you've got your, I don't know what you call it, you've got your joystick or the, the pilot controls. And there's not really, there's not really that much, uh, you know, there's not like there's a whole complicated dashboard of uh, instruments or so I, I, you know. Which would make it easier. Well. I would think that would make it easier. You don't have the complicated, if you have a complicated dashboard, then, then, okay, I can understand. I can't get into the F-16 because I know how to fly the F-17. Okay, fine. The buttons are different. You know, it's the same thing with a, with a computer or a car or whatever, you know, things things that are newer newer models are are uh, more complicated, let's say. But if your point is is that things were more simplistic, then I would say the exact opposite. Then it should be easy for him to get any plane. You know, you have the joystick, you have the the prop crank, and that's it. I don't know. Again, I don't know anything about flying. I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm completely talking. You're flying blind here. <laughs> I'm completely flying blind here. No question about that. And my name is not even Blythe. <laughs> Who's out on a joyride flying by? Certainly is. No, okay. So, uh, I, I don't know anything about planes. It, it was just something that 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 came to mind 
as to, you know, you have a fighter pilot that can only fly a very small plane. Okay. You know, maybe, maybe they said he's an American. We're not going to let him, we're not going to train him to fly all the planes. We'll give him, you know, mm. he was an American in the RAF. We'll let him just fly this little training plane. Maybe he was out for a joyride and got shot down on this, you know, first flight and didn't really have much uh, experience. Who knows? Anything's possible. Exactly. That, that's what's great. You can always speculate. <laughs> you know, we can, we, can, we can create histories for every one of these characters that are completely <laughs> bonkers, that make no sense whatsoever, but because we just know them during the course of mm. this 172 minutes where we get to see them. So you never know what happens to them before or after. Anyone who wants to write fan fiction, go right ahead. Send it to us. I'd love to hear it. Love to read it. <laughs> you can even do a video. Do a, do a fan, fan fiction YouTube video about what you think the, the history of Henley is or the, his, or the history of Blythe. Uh, you know, what happened to them before they got here? Yeah. I mean, how did he get to be? Yeah. I mean, he's the scrounger, isn't he, of this movie? Uh, Hendley is. And, you know, so how did he become to uh, to get to that position? You know, does he have some sort of criminal backstory that, uh, you know, uh, means that he, could, you know, was able to draw on those skills uh, to, uh, yeah, sort of uh, inveigle you know, supplies out of the Germans, uh, as, as you say, yeah. Exactly. Stuff to be explored in fact. Because uh, unfortunately, James Gardner's not around anymore that we can, you know, make a prequel with him. I'm sure they could find, you know, some some uh, actor who looks similar to him to, to do a prequel. Well, with all this sort of de-aging technology, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just, we, we hardly need the real James Garner probably now to, uh, to, to put him into a, a Um, Okay. <laughs> I, I see your point there. Not everyone is you know, not Carrie Fisher where you, know, you can do that. Peter Cushing, Carrie Fisher. I guess you need the, 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 the name brand, you know, have enough footage of them from around that time. Who knows? Okay, so back to Henley and Blythe, who are sneaking under the wing, which which is just hilarious the way they do it. You know, they, they, they duck down, and the whole time, you know, Henley, because Blythe is blind, he's he's basically pushing him. You know, like he has his hand around his neck and pushing him down and picking him up and moving him to the side. You know, he's, he's like a ventriloquist dummy, the way that he's... Uh, you know, moving him along here. Just hilarious. And then, so they go under the wing, and then, then they, they stealthily run to the side of the uh, of, of the hangar, and he pushes him up against the wall, which, again, they're doing this silently. Nobody can hear them whatsoever. It's a very quiet minute that we have here. I mean, there's, there's yeah, no dialogue. Completely. Well, there's one line. Well, half there's a line, one really. line of dialogue. Uh, no, we have a full line. Full line of dialogue. Completely full line of dialogue. It's, it's a full sentence. Let's put it that way. It, it's, it cuts off into the next sentence, but we'll get to that later in a minute. The thing I love, first of all, is if you see when the two of them stand up against the, the wall of the hangar, did, did you see Blythe's face? I don't, I don't recall his expression at that moment. He, he just, he has this expression on his face, like, <laughs> why the hell am I here? <laughs> what am I doing here? <laughs> you know, he's supposed to be blind. You know, Henley backs up against the wall, does like this, this quick, he swiftly does a spin around so that he's looking out. And when he does so, you can see that, I mean, this Henley is a character throughout, throughout the entire movie. He's walking around with his sparkling white turtleneck. And here you have him, you know, where his, his collar is up on his on his shirt. And it's his, he's got a, a few buttons opened up. You also have Colin with a few buttons button opened up. They, they look pretty disheveled the, by the way that they, they look here. This journey has taken its toll. Well, I think you'd, yeah, I think you'd, ex- I think you'd expect that. You know, jumping off the train. I think you'd expect that. Yeah. <laughs> right, but if part of the whole idea is to keep up the the guys and the the impression 
that things, you know, that they're supposed to blend in. So they need to do their best to, to not look yeah, so disheveled. Yeah, they probably disheveled. should try and find a, a laundrette at, uh, at some point soon. Exactly. I wonder if you noticed this. At the beginning, when, when they both escape, they're both carrying bags. They have small little yes. satchels or whatever. And then when they jump off the train, they have one. And now... Okay. And now they have yes. none. I had that note because <laughs> they've, they've lost their man bags, which uh, I thought that was a very exactly. metrosexual touch for uh, a World War Two or 1960s movies that uh, uh, that uh, all of the escapees have, uh, you know, sort of, you know, very nice, very attractive looking uh, little leather man bags. Yes. It may, it, I, I discussed this a few weeks ago and come to an answer with about it. Uh, you know, where did they get so much leather to make these bags? I, we, we know where they got all the cloth to make the... The, the uniforms and to make their suits and stuff like that. And uh, uh, my question also is where do they get the materials to make all the hats? Every one of them mm-hmm. leaves with a hat. Of course, the two of them also don't have hats here anymore. They've they've lost their hats along the so way too. The, the power of power of movie magic uh, can explain the availability of leather and uh, and the uh, disappearing hats. Yes. Well, disappearing disappearing is easy. You know, you look you lost <laughs> it Illinois. That's it. It's, it would be more interesting if, if in the next scene you see them with hats. <laughs> but the fact that they, they keep the continuity and, and you can't, can't see the fact, they, you know, that they, they've lost the hats. That's it. No problem. <laughs> so you also get to see Henley is panting. He's, he's had a little bit of trouble with this. You know, he's not in as good shape as we thought he might have been beforehand. He needs to do a bit more aerobic. Maybe fitness, it's just because he, he's... I think. Exactly. Maybe because he's been, you know, pulling blithe with him the whole time. Maybe, maybe so, that yeah, is just stop shoving him in. around so much, and he wouldn't find himself being quite so uh, knackered out. Exactly. Within a few seconds, we'll see that that's actually not even true. It looks that he's that he's completely uh, knackered, as you say, but he he's not because he he just takes a couple deep breaths and then he sprints out. And I I love the way that he just mm. tackles the guard. You know he he. <laughs> He basically puts himself prone on the ground and and trips him. It is, yeah. You know that's the way to do it. He tackles him quite effectively. Maybe maybe you know we'll go back to to Henley's backstory. You know before he was you know arrested for for larceny at some point. You know he he was a high school football star. <laughs> He's well, able to I, tackle I, the quarterback. I, I... I have to say, I was quite unimpressed by how uh, how James Garner tackles this this particular soldier. He because he, as you say, he just sort of lies prone on the ground and then just sort of rolls into his legs. And, and this this soldier is beaten really quite easily. Uh, you know, I mean, Garner does um, sort of then get up and uh, you know give him a, uh, one of these uh, magical movie punches to the face, which just instantly uh, you know KOs uh, the soldier. But, no, uh, he kicks him. He kicks him. He in the kicks face. him. Sorry, yes, I think yeah. But, he, there's one of those magical kicks. Yeah, exactly. There's one of those magical but, kicks. Yeah, and he's but again, he's immediately knocked out. But uh, right, but but you did mention earlier the fact apparently isn't a high priority base, so they're not going to put their 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 best guards there. <laughs> well, he's no example so, of the master race, that's for sure. This this particular soldier. That's well, uh, that's why. Yeah, that's why he's he's standing on guard in probably the middle of Poland somewhere. <laughs> You know, being the lone guard watching over uh, seven or eight planes. 
But it's uh, yeah, it's kind of good to see some James Garner foo here with uh, these kind of yeah hand to hand martial arts combat. Uh, I mean, it's a peculiar yeah. style. It's an individual style, but uh, it does prove effective. So you know, perhaps I should um, give him more credit than I, I perhaps am at the moment. Right. No, I agree <laughs> with you. It 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 just looks very funny the way that he does it. It's just not. It's the, the choreography isn't that great. Let's put it that way. But 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 as we both said, it's effective. And I think that's what, what he needs to do. But it's just funny because he kicks him in the head and then he, he sort of does a fake sleeper hold. So maybe maybe he was a wrestler. Maybe that's what he did as a, you know, he was, he was a wrestler in, in high school. doesn't look to have, have the build to me for a wrestler, but, uh, you know, not a sport I'm terribly familiar with. So uh, Me neither. Mm. I'm just looking at the moves that he's making because they all look fake like a WWF. <laughs> it's not you know, maybe, maybe, maybe they had, fake. Uh, it's it's just know, predetermined. <laughs> it's pre- it's chore- choreographically predetermined. How's that? Yeah, that's right. All right, and then he just picks up his lifeless body and drags him into the hangar. You know, <laughs> and he he just does it really. It's pretty funny the way that he drags him. Also, now did you notice that his whole back is wet now because the apparently the hangar was it was all wet on the airfield. I mean, you can see that. Yes, I saw that the, uh, the, the this seems to have been a, a light shower recently because all the tarmac is uh, is wet. But it's quite attractive in the the early morning light yeah. that uh, is uh, that we get to see in this particular scene. Right, maybe they want us to think that that he was sweating. You know, if you didn't notice, <laughs> you'd think that he was sweating. So he drags him into the hangar, and then basically just dumps him. He like half hides him behind some boxes. He doesn't even take the time to try to hide him more more effectively. Because apparently they're not really worried that anyone else is going to be around because there is nobody else around. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess also probably time is of the essence at this particular moment. So yes, you know, they're, they're, they're this close to getting, uh, you know, executing their uh, escape plan to, to steal one of these planes. So, uh, you know, exactly. adrenaline's getting the better of them at this at this moment. Right. But also what's more important is, is that Garner wants to make sure that nobody steals the, the one plane he knows how to fly. <laughs> You know, what if someone else takes it before him? Then he's in trouble. You got to blow that. Sorry, someone took the one little plane I knew how to fly. That would be. We'll have to go yeah. to another airfield. <laughs> well, do they just have to hope it is uh, equally as quiet as this one? Yes, and then they they walk onto the tarmac again. Garner is pushing Blythe <laughs> in front of him. <laughs> he's like, if anyone shoots, they're going to get you. First. Well, I w- yeah, <laughs> he's his, his bodyguard. Well, I know, I know, I know. Yeah, well, I think Garner. We'll I mean, we're, we're, we're going to be getting to this, I think, uh, in the in the next minute. But uh, Garner's uh, he's 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 uh, he's he's displays some real uh, cold towards uh, Donald Pleasance. But uh, I think we'll get to that in yes. the next minute. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I like the, the the added touch that he actually <laughs> does pick up the gun. When I when I was watching for the, for this minute, I kept thinking to myself, I don't recall him having a gun. Did he pick it up or not? And then, you know, I was, I was happy to see that they, they didn't just have him leave the gun. You know, they didn't want him to say, all right, I'm a pacifist. I'm not going to pick up a gun. <laughs> he's really uh, in the wrong job if he's a pacifist. Yes, yes. But, I mean, if he picked up the gun, you'd think that, that he would have been smart and maybe checked the guard that he knocked out for a little extra ammo. True. Very true. But then again, he's getting in a plane and, and flying to Switzerland. So, what does he need a gun or ammo for? Uh, a good, a good question. And you know, 
at this airfield is presumably uh i mean obviously he doesn't know how to fly them but uh although i think he should know how to fly them but they're, you know they're planes with uh with weapons you know with guns i'd be far better off uh you know taking one of those in case he gets involved in an aerial dogfight of some description but uh no he just grabs yep. the ultimately useless uh rifle instead yes because he's gonna he's gonna open up the the, the cockpit hatch and start <laughs> shooting at somebody you know, shooting at the, the plane coming at it. Although George Kennedy does do that in uh, Airport 79, the Concorde. So, uh, you know, it yes. is, there is, his, yes. there is historical or movie precedent for, uh, for people doing that sort of thing. Well, I, I, and, and not historical before this, but after it. Yes. I mean, it's possible that someone did precedent. before also. <laughs> that there, there's a reason that not many people have seen Airport 79. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it. I saw it years ago, and then I've I've seen it more than once. Even not not my favorite of the airport movies, though. That uh, definitely not. I I still would choose the first one if I have to choose one of the one of the four. Mm, I'd probably. I'm not even uh, saying of the six. I'd probably go Airport Five, um, but uh, they all have they all have their charms. Although I you know yes. I, I appreciate the point you're making. I mean, uh, uh, Airport Seventy Nine is in many ways the the weakest of it. Although it does have a slightly um, sort of over the top, sort of insane charm. Just uh, uh, it sort of leaned into its ridiculousness in uh, quite a, in a very spectacular fashion. <laughs> yes, yeah, there's no question about that. Uh, so then, basically, they take a stroll along the tarmac because they're no longer running. You know, he's just walking uh, a little bit, and and the way that he's pushing Blythe is also pretty funny because he has his arm under his armpit, and it's like if he was in front of him, he would be pulling him. But since he's behind him, he's pushing him that way. <laughs> Comes across pretty comically. Then they reach the plane, and he basically just pushes him up against the plane. You know, basically saying, just stand here next to the plane right before I turn on the uh, propeller. <laughs> I decided I've had enough of you. <laughs> Oops. What can I tell you? And then he, he climbs up on, on the wing, opens up the hatch, and, and first thing he does is put the gun inside. And at the same time, you get to see uh, Colin feeling around and, and looking for the <laughs> propeller, <laughs> basically checking to make sure that Garner's not trying to Bump him off. you know uh, commit commit murder at this point. <laughs> and he like he touches the propeller in a very strange way. It looks like he's actually caressing it, mm. you know, uh, which is a little strange. And then you have uh, Henley pull out the uh, the prop crank, and then he says, the, and the the one line that we get in this Colin. When I say go, crank, crank this clockwise. <laughs> That's all he says to him. He basically, the two of them then, he puts his, they put their hands together and they're able to put the crank in to the, 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 the crank hole, I guess you can call it. I don't know. What, what would you call crank it? Crank hole works for me. <laughs> At least I know what okay. you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's where the minute ends. Did you did you have any other notes for this? No, minute? I mean we do get um, a little bit of uh, the wonderful score at uh, in the kind of first few seconds of uh, of this of this minute. But then after that, um, it's it becomes a, a silent minute, both in terms of of dialogue and music. But uh, yeah, the, I, I you know the, the score of this film is is fabulous. Obviously, it has a very iconic theme. But then you know the incidental music um, within it is also very good, and uh, I enjoyed I enjoyed those 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 few sort of moody seconds of music that we uh, that we got uh, just right at the beginning of this particular minute. Yeah, the the rest of the the week we're going to have also some different uh, musical cues which are which which work really well. I, Elmer Bernstein did a, did an amazing job here. No question about that with the uh, with the way he does the the music cuz the music gives gives the each 
segment of the movie a, a completely mm. different tone, and it uh, does it really well. Like for instance, when when they're walking among the plane, as you mentioned, it's it's a it's more of a suspenseful suspenseful yes feel, and then afterwards, it, you know, sometimes it'll it'll have a happier tone or or a, a more somber tone. You know, it just kept changing back and forth. So I, I really like the way they did that. So you have anything else for this minute? No, I'm all good. All right. So why don't you tell people how they can get in touch with you? Yes, if you are interested in uh, finding out more about the strange way that uh, helicopters explode in movies, uh, check me out at uh, explodinghelicopters.com, which is my uh, website where I've got uh, reviews of films where um, helicopters explode. We're also a podcast, so you can find us on uh, any good podcasting app. Just uh, just look for Exploding Helicopter. And uh, I am Twitter, at Chopper Fireball, if you uh, yeah want to keep up with the latest developments. All right, very cool. You can contact us by email at thegreatminute at gmail.com. Our Facebook group is The Cooler. Our website is thegreatescapeminute.com. And our Twitter account is greatescapemxm. So, Will, you want to come back in tomorrow to continue talking about uh, this escape? Uh, you, well, you can uh, twist my arm, much like uh, Henley does to Blythe. There you go. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to try not to hurt you, because <laughs> I, I, I don't want you to get a, a face full of propeller yet. <laughs> you know, we'll wait until the end of the week. I need, I need you all week. Shot me into those spinning <laughs> rotor blades, uh, but I, I, I wouldn't blame you. No, I'll just send you off in a. I'll just send you off in the other direction. We'll the <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, until tomorrow, tally ho. Tally ho. Everyone, because we're winding down and we have less than thirty episodes left, I decided I'm going to do something very special for the final episode of this podcast. If anyone can please send us any questions, we're going to do a Q&A section, me and one or two other guests. So if you have any questions about The Great Escape or about doing a Movies by Minute podcast or about me or <laughs> anything that you want to ask, it doesn't make a difference. You can ask us questions. And once we record episode 172, we will answer all of your questions, get them to us as quickly as possible. You know where to send them as a private message to Facebook, to Twitter, or you can send them to email any which way that we can see the questions and no one else will see them and we will answer them live for you. Thanks a lot, everyone.